well, the Kubrick movie doesn't even have the topiary trees, you know? Yeah. Or no, topiary. They, they're always... My, my mom super, and dad, too. They were so mad about that. They're always mad about the... There's no topiaries in the... You haven't seen any topiaries, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> It's one fucking hour time. <laughs> uh, of course, the show where we talk about one goddamn movie and we have just one fucking hour to do it. Uh, I am Evan Husney and uh, real excited about this one. We got to my left. Oh, it's over here. Uh, Big T, Tom Fitzgerald. What's going on, Big T? How are you? Hey there. Uh, looking forward to the challenge. I think this is mm. the one title that won't fit into the one hour box, uh, mm. but we'll, we'll see how much we can get done. All right. Well, I mean, there's no exceptions. It has to. So, right. Um, <laughs> all right. And uh, all the way to the far right, uh, on the far side over there, we got, as usual, Mr. Marcus Herring. Marcus, what's going on? What's up? I'm glad all the best people are here tonight. Like in mm. the words of the Overlook Hotel Manager, all the best people are here. <laughs> for this. My favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> Who could forget? Exactly. Who could? <laughs> Who could? Um, and we are joined, of course, um, by one of our, actually, our most favorite special guest. And of course, <laughs> if there is, you know, childhood trauma, ring, ring, Ramey. Mm -hmm. uh, so here she Hello. is. <laughs> <laughs> we got Mrs. Uh, Ramey Bennett here. Uh, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Back for the trauma. Ready. Ready to take it on. <laughs> And uh, yeah. let's do it. Fest 23. <laughs> Trauma yeah. Fest. Yeah, let's get it on. Yeah, that would be quite the quite the uh, the little one fucking hour film festival is if you did the back to back with the brood or with possession or I know. You know, they're yeah, all yeah, kind of yeah. I was I know I was thinking about it like the entity, the brood, possession, right, right. don't look now, bad timing. It's like trauma fest. Yeah. It is like, trauma fest. It's a delightful it's trauma, trauma fest twenty four. That's when we'll do it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Trauma good. fest. All right, so that's right. Uh this week is episode eighty five of the show, and we're getting into our first Kubrick. That is, of course, also, guys, it's one fucking Tober time. Which yeah. is our month-long <laughs> horror movie blitz month, and we we uh, during our summer series, The Shining Lost. Uh, it's mm. uh, on the nineteen eighty uh, poll, so we figured, fuck it, let's do it for Tober. So here we are. We're doing one what fucking it, hour. It lost to uh, I think the Cat from Outer Space. Which <laughs> film is it? I think it lost to what? no. It lost to. Um, it lost uh, to states. altered states. Yeah, yeah altered yeah. states. Yeah. Right. Not not a bad uh, right. You know, movie to get switched out by. True, yeah. true that. So one fucking hour on The Shining is tonight for episode eighty five. Before we get into it, though, guys, uh, just a quick uh, couple of plugs. Quick plugs here. Um, Tom, Marcus, you guys have been doing live shows all month at the Philosophical Research Society. Last week mm -hmm. was your first show, and now you haven't another one coming up right on what is it the 17th 17th yeah so it's it's tuesdays uh you know 10th 17th 24th and 31st halloween with a party Woo! and uh yeah we're doing the 17th it's um an exp mix of uh all about bigfoot uh the bigfoot phenomenon it's yes a, it's a crowd pleaser a bit of a classic of ours and then we're showing um really the only time we're doing it is a, a, a legitimate screening of like uh, an actual speculative uh, documentary it's called the force beyond 
uh, you know, and nice. Um, so it, it's it's fun. It's uh, you know all your your usual topics all jumbled together and uh, stream of consciousness. Um, so uh, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, it's and been really cool because some last. yeah, um, and some people from some people that watch the podcast have been showing up, and it's been really fun to meet them and hang awesome. out with them. So yeah, it's been great. Yeah. All right, and 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 there's a kind of a hangout because there's a lobby. And there's kind of like lobby culture that's developing Ooh, here. Lobbyists. It's a large room. Yeah. And there's uh, sort of strange um, paranormal and uh, psychic energy like uh, <laughs> installations we have going, as well as our banks of televisions that show mm-hmm. EXP TV live. Um, so, and, so yeah, you can come by, hang out. And uh, nice. you know, it's, it's a nice social thing as much as the screen. Mm, I'm so sad we're, that we are missing this. I you're know. going right to the party, you guys? Oh. For, you guys are flying out for Halloween. <laughs> oh, we should. On. What's we better than this? People have been asking if you guys are going to show up. <laughs> I, I would love to do that. Okay. Gotta leave it a mystery. Um, Well, every Tuesday for the rest of October, you can catch Tom and Marcus. uh, Definitely those two. We'll see about us uh, live in 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 the flesh at the Philosophical Research Society. Link in the description if you want tickets or more information on the events. But a good chance to see those dudes live in person. Uh, also, just going to give a quick plug to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash one fucking hour is the best way to support the show. If you love what we're doing, it's just five bucks a month. Uh, and on there, uh, you'll have instant access to all of our feature length audio commentaries that we've recorded. We're just about to record uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Holy Mountain. It's been delayed slightly just because these guys have obviously been very busy with the show, uh, the live shows that they've been doing, but that's coming soon. Um, and also, we're going to be doing bonus episodes. And we just dropped, guys. And yeah. this is amazing. We dropped the one fucking hour demo tape, which I called, <laughs> right. which I called some kind of demo, uh, which is our very <laughs> first recording we ever did for the show. It was a test recording oh, that we Jesus. did. I'm too scared to even look at it. Shit. It's great. It's, it's pre spray bottle, right? It was oh, it's before we pre- introduced the spray bottle. <laughs> it's pre everything. It was like it's months before we actually really started. It was. Right? It was like a long time before. It was April of 2021. The first time we ever tried to record this concept of the show, I just put it up. It's us doing some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary. This hit me tonight watching the film. Uh, It was sort of a trend in the late 90s and early 2000s where it's um, unlikely people in society on the other side of a therapist. You know what I mean? Because it's like the Sopranos. It's like we got uh, Gabagool over here in therapy and and we got like, you know, headbangers in therapy and like it was sort of a thing. Am I wrong? Like an analyze this era kind of. (laughs) It's a very fun watch to see where we started and our origin story. But I just uploaded it for all the Patreon members and YouTube members. uh, If you want to get your hands on that, it's very fun. Listen. And but we should say watch it. Uh, but uh, just know that it's there. I'm kidding. No, it's great. <laughs> it is great. It's very funny. It's too it's embarrassing. When, right. Like when Tom, you, you you called their therapist, he looked like Kenneth Anger. It's very funny. Oh, um, but anyway, that was amazing. Yeah, okay. but, um, yeah that's right. But, uh, but guys, we, we can't bury the lead because we forgot to mention this last week, and it's a big fucking important milestone. This is tonight. This week is officially the two-year anniversary of One <laughs> wow. Fucking Hour. So really? we have been doing it. It's been two years. Two Holy years. Christ. So I thought that that would be a good gift to our oh. listeners. That's a great idea. Yeah. So wow. if you want to hear our, our very first demo recording on never before released, patreon.com slash one fucking hour or scroll underneath this video and click the join button. Become a, a moment of the YouTube channel. Also five we bucks a month. We were so much younger then. We were. 
Old we were Indiana, innocent. You know? Yeah, we were crazy so. kids back in the <laughs> crazy days of spring yeah. 2021. <laughs> we were so. All right, that's the best way to support the show. Uh, thank you, everybody. All right, now before we get into tonight's main event here on The Shining, little disclaimer, guys. I just wanted to, you know, we we kind of talked about this last week. We're not going to be getting into the conspiracy theories, the hidden sort of, you know, uh, symbolism, unintentional symbolism of Stanley Kubrick and decoding. This isn't the Shining explained, you know, uh, type of video. <laughs> but I, but I do. So I just want to forewarn everybody. But I do want to say, as I was prepping tonight's show, guys, I got a little freaked out. Okay, mm. I got a little creeped okay because i was cutting you know the messiah of evil episode and i'm starting to see the fucking patterns guys you know we did that last week and both movies talk about the donner party you know i'm starting to think there's a through line there and then and then guys i'm looking through messiah of evil (laughs) and look what look what fucking pops up you ready check it out yeah No way. <laughs> no way. I gotta get out of here. Oh, you can't say room. That says room 237. <laughs> like, this is witchcraft shit. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were <laughs> dying. Up. We Can were you dying. Fucking I believe don't that? like that. That's I don't weird. like that either. Oh That's my God. Because there's weird. a lot of numbers. There's yeah. a lot of numbers. A lot of That's floors. So, oh my God. So The Shining is all about Messiah of Evil. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, dude. But isn't that Weird coincidence, up? guys. God, that's cr- weird super coincidence. crazy. Weird wow. coincidence. Super fucking crazy. All right. Anyway. Oh, wow. Moving on. <laughs> on that note. Knock, knock, knock yeah. motherfucker. All right. On that's that awesome. note. Has that been ID'd by anyone else? On no. Earth? No. I like, don't think Googled so. Googled it? Okay. No. Nope. The other day, we were just like, what the I just fuck? couldn't believe it. <laughs> Unreal. Couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, jeebies <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's let's get into this, guys. Here we go. Here's the fucking clock. Yeah, let's yeah. start the show. And uh, stretch. Boom. All right. So, guys, normally at the top of these shows, you know, we read a synopsis. We tell the people what the movie is. Just like you know, when we did Taxi Driver, man, there's no real reason to uh, you know get into a synopsis on this one. Everybody knows The Shining; they've all seen it. Uh, so I figure, you know, let's forego that um, and sort of get into it, man. So you know, this is obviously a monster title. It's well-worn roads. It's well discussed, very stepped on, as we say in terms of you know <laughs> movies that we that have been discussed to death. Yeah. We're going to get into it now, man, and especially I'm trying to think the best place to start, but I was right. sort of thinking maybe with you, Ramey, because you have a history with the okay. source material, the the yeah. book and the movie. So what's your sort of personal history with The Shining? Oh, my God. Um, the My personal history is that my my dad actually showed me this movie when I was five or six. So I was... I was insanely young like 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 child abuse abuse. you know like (laughs) and and, um i remember at the time like it was such early memory so it was so like fragmented but like left such a strong impression i remember my mom being so upset 
with my dad. What, what was know? he thinking? He loved the movie and he just wanted to show it to me as soon as possible. Like as soon Movie's as really cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Wow. Okay. Yes. Right. But like speaking of child abuse, like, um, yeah. so this movie was like always in my conscious, um, consciousness. And then, um, when I was 10, I read the, the book and, and I remember, um, and I remember at school, like during class, I was always like messing around, but in like the playground at recess, I was always about like reading. Yeah. I didn't want to play. I just wanted to like read. So kids would be like, come on, let's play like kickball. I'd be like, I gotta finish the shining. And I, I remember to this day, like sitting on a rock outside, like, yeah. fi- like, and, and like throwing down the book at a certain part, just being like terrified. Oh, but God. so I, I kind of always like had the two in my mind, like growing up, like it, they were always like, I don't know, it was always a part of my consciousness. Um, and, and sort of like appreciating the differences I think we'll talk about that a lot, but um, it's funny because when my my parents were together back back in the day in the seventies, they took this like road trip together up to Clayton, which is like near Canada, and it's like this long road trip in this like VW bug or whatever, and they would wow. take turns reading The Shining to each other like on the road, <laughs> and th- you and in the then- back seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Really? Uh, What's and up that with was- these guys in The Shining? They just like they they always like like creepy shit, you know. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. um, then when the movie came out, they were like oh, so before the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like you know massive paperback big yeah. success that book. Um, it was like a sensation. So people were really into the book. So when the movie came out, there was this like added extra pressure that didn't exist for like let's say two thousand and one or like yeah. even like like a Lolita or something. It was like in it's, right. it's different. Like this was so like mass produced like in the zeitgeist for this generation that there was an extra pressure like when it came out that it was like the comparisons it was like the scrutiny was happening and so i think in one way it kind of did the movie a disservice because the movie got so much flack when it came out and like it took years and years and years for people to actually really consider this like you know a a masterpiece or whatever but separated out from the novel yeah Yeah. because it's so drastically different it's an adaptation it's a kubrick adaptation and his adaptations are always drastically different than the source material Mm -hmm. and i remember my parents saying they went they brought their friends they were so excited they're like yeah the shining and they were all devastated like fucking gutted like walking out being like that was a fucking joke that was a mess what was that bullshit and i remember growing up them always kind of telling me this story um and and then like you know as the way that like i look at the film i mean we'll go into this like in more depth is like like not like i said earlier to you tom like not looking at this just so much as like a ghost story a, a sure. horror movie it's really like sort of like a, almost like a demented kitchen sink uh domestic abuse drama yeah with with horror elements to it you know so that's kind of the way i look at it and that's kind of my in it's like scenes from a marriage with some you know some horror movie imagery you know more so (laughs) um and then yeah yeah um before we get into that distinction and and dive into the differences i think it is important to talk about um tom any 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 uh origin stories with uh the shining or this movie and uh you know, just very briefly, it's kind of a funny anecdote in my life. So uh, uh, we got cable in 1981, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I was still a little kid, and I would trick-or-treat, right? You know, like, let's trick-or-treat, let's dress up, let's get some fucking candy. <laughs> but uh, guess what premiered on Halloween night 1981 wow. on, like, HBO? The Shining. Wow. And so I, for, 
I, I, I forwent. What's the word? Like I, I, I uh, did not fucking trick or treat. I was like, <laughs> y'all, you know, like peace out, wow. have fun. But I'm gonna sit in the dark and watch The Shining. And my mom, of course, was out at a party or something, so I was all alone. Wow. And I watched The Shining at like eight o'clock or something, ten o'clock, and I was just like floored. I was, you know, I was yeah. only like ten. Right. And uh, it was definitely because that's the thing. It's like, yeah, horror stuff. And I, I had seen a lot of horror stuff. I saw um, The Incredible Melting Man when I was eight years old. He was like tearing <laughs> apart old people and like, <laughs> tearing their arms off and stuff. Yeah. But this was, you know, kind of like what Ramey said. It's like it was very adult. And it was very like impenetrably yeah. creepy in, in a new way that I had not experienced. And uh, yeah. that was unforgettable. And I'm, and I'm glad with my decision because otherwise I would have just had like yeah mini snickers bars but not shiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh marcus any uh shining origins yeah you know it it did play on tv when i was a kid so like you know, it played on abc like friday night movie of the week or something so i remember like so i weird. saw it and i just looked it up before the pie it played it started playing like in 83 so i saw it too really young and just the you know the, the main takeaways for me were like that fucking dog suit well, i thought it was a you know it's a bear suit but i thought it was a dog sure some adult stuff happening really freaked me out in the bloody hallway and i was like i never want to see that movie ever again <laughs> and it, it sort of haunted me a little bit too because like so my parents had a friend that got divorced and he left a lot of his possessions at our house one of which was a hutch entirely filled with every stephen king book so that was always kind of calling out to me oh, over the I years like you know, and some of them had illustrations in it, like Cycle of the Werewolf had these like really awful illustrations. I would like torture myself peeking at, you know. And anyway, so Stephen King was always kind of loomed over me as a kid. And then, um, <laughs> you know, I grew up very close to like tw about 20 minutes away from Glacier National Park where they shot, you know, the the Whoa. the opening sh shot of, wow. going up, oh. you know, the, of the helicopter shot going up the, the uh, road cool. there by the lake. So yeah. I grew up close to that too. So uh, wow, I, I did finally see it years later. Like you know, gave in, and it I do do totally agree with Remy. Like it had a bad rap for like years. Like my my parents kind of trashed on it. Yeah, yeah. Other people didn't like it. It was kind of discarded, and I was surprised when it started to build back mm -hmm, a yeah. fandom and like a notoriety. You know, mm -hmm. and you know now of I course, think it's, it's a testament huge. to how strong the filmmaking is. Yeah, like as much as anything, it's like you can't deny. And this is maybe my main thing coming here with this obviously well-worn topic, as we're saying. It's just like, uh, if we have a minute, I just would like to talk about the Brava filmmaking. I mean, I know it's obvious and it's Kubrick, but yeah. just to really shine a light, that it's about as good as he gets, in my opinion, yeah. in all these set pieces and mm -hmm. all these... It's just killer choices, you yeah. know, like, um, mm -hmm. and we could get into that, you know. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it's like, you just, it's kind of undeniable. It's like, okay, there was a book and maybe it's not the greatest horror movie and maybe he's not the greatest horror filmmaker or blah, 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 blah. But you just can't deny it has power. Yeah. Power. He's, he's, <laughs> really he's does. commanded the, the full force of the potential of filmmaking. Yep. Quite mm -hmm. often in this film. That's, that's yep. my take. And it you, has, you just can't deny it. It has some real peaks, you know, in terms yeah. of it, yeah. some of the... And, and the, the the melodic maybe not melodic it's not the right word but like it's sort of the way it moves it's like with with the music and mm -hmm. those weird interstitials and the break and the cuts yeah. and like it, it's it moves in a very strange hypnotic way like mm -hmm. it's very it's it's icy it's slow mm. it's you yeah. know it has all these strange it, it puts you in this in this very weird it's, hypnotic it's, it's, world yeah hypnotic is the word for it because just as one example of the great filmmaking and also what you're saying about the creep factor is like when uh she they're looking the, we and she's looking down at the maze 
or somebody's looking down at the uh, maze. Jack is. Jack is. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jack's looking down at the maze, and we're looking at a maze, which is a model, a model of a maze, excuse yep. me. Yep. And then it becomes the actual maze, and he's looking yeah. at his wife and son. It's just like, and it happens, it, it unfolds so slowly and subtly, and it's so surreal, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. not... Um, uh, um, it's not like uh, it's done very uh, quietly. Mm. Quiet. Uh, yeah. It's and not, it's, you know, like um, doesn't obnoxious. his tie become the maze at one point too? Like his uh, doesn't his the weaving of his green tie doesn't that become the maze at one know. point? I didn't notice that. Yeah, but there the yeah, the the maze sculpture. You know, when he's looking at it, uh, and right. it, you know, I'm assuming that's done achieved with like a matte painting or something, or however they did mm-hmm. it. But it's it like that whole set piece is so modern, you know, in terms of yes. something you would see like in a FX horror story show absolutely. now, you know, or something. Yeah, and absolutely. it's like from 1980. And Nothing. It's just yeah, incredible. That's a good point. Yeah. Nothing yeah. was like that in 1980. You're, yeah. That's a good point, actually. Like, it's just yeah. so striking. And I think I don't know how people miss that, that they're watching some like yeah. absolutely yeah. like unreal, exceptional yeah, they you know, did. Uh, approach to horror, you know. They did. And they I think like what watching it like with fresh eyes like I was saying before, it's like it's it's important to do that because we've seen it hundreds of times and it's so yeah, much just yeah. a part of our brains, but yeah. to really look at it like, whoa, this was these things were really never done before in this way and even that like i was saying the editing and the music and like now just how iconic that is with like the title cards of the weekdays but with the sound design and this (laughs) the synth stuff like and it doesn't really really matter like thursday nine o'clock and it's like Okay. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Like it, it doesn't really matter that much thematically because yeah. it's the place is all we're out of time there, yeah. and that's part yeah. of the whole yeah. style of the film is like yeah, you know, like uh, rea- they're getting further and further away from reality, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as they sail away, and and so things like Thursday at seven thirty, like it doesn't really matter so much, but it's great. Which yeah, is not it funny just, to me, but it's just like uh, yeah, just, it's an odd choice because um, it's like you're. You're tabulating something that's getting more and more abstracted time yeah. there. And there's like this impending doom, like, you know, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. we're experiencing. Oh, yeah. We don't know what's what's coming, what that impending right. doom is. We but get it's, the foreshadowing, though, yeah. you know, the, the all right. twin girls and all And that. the way they're designed is so stark and simple, too. It's this very simple font, just dead center, black yeah. and white. You know, mm-hmm. it's like almost like an art film would do that these days. Totally. Completely. Like, like Adam Curtis Probably. do something like that, yeah. you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I think like the first, I, I wanted to um, like specifically talk about the Evan, is it, or do you want to go Evan? Well, before we get into like set pieces, <laughs> I just, I, I know this is the, the everybody stop. That's Tommy, Tommy's got to say something. This. Tommy. Yeah, yeah this Tommy. is the Tommy. Tony, 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 Tony. Okay. So, um, okay. R- real quick, just to put a bow on origin stories, and then let's get into starting oh, yeah. to talk about just the set. Pieces, oh yeah, sorry, you know? sorry, Evan. That's all right. That's all right. It's okay. Just whenever you see Tony, you know, okay, you know what Tony. to do. Okay, so um, <laughs> all right, so um, this Okay, I don't have like any real major one. I kind of discover. I'm sure I saw this. I don't even remember when I first saw this movie. I've seen it so many times, and just kind of uh-huh. seems like yeah. it always existed and was always there. But I do. <laughs> also remember intersecting with people who just didn't like it you know because they were hardcore mm-hmm. stephen king fans you know oh, and God, like this really was a thing huh? it, it was, was like thing. i i actually thing. this is the first time i heard about this was um you know when i when in my first video store job you know there was your very archetypal you know ponytail 
glasses kind of guy there and <laughs> and he was all you know trench coat you know he was all about you know carrying hard hard the the, the hardcover stephen king's in his like stand, coat pocket like, you know yeah like in his coat pocket and shit and he was all about like well the kubrick movie doesn't even have the topiary trees you know yeah. there's no topiary they're, they're always my, my mom super, and dad too they were so mad about that always mad about the there's no topiaries in the i've seen any topiaries <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> does yeah, the maze so, count it's, that's like one giant topiary right because right? they're animals <laughs> in the book and the yeah, animals they come alive they right. come alive that, that would have looked like very sh- awkward well listen you do get a hint at the novel from the lame 90s TV movie, which oh, he loved, yes. Wings, oh, which he yes. loved, which he, he absolutely he, uh, loved. he endorsed. Get and this loved. guy on the podcast. I but, know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, Go but on. yeah, you haven't lived until you've seen a ponytailed man scream at you about topiaries. Okay, but anyway, um, <laughs> I think this is a good just segue before we start talking about the set pieces. Just what yeah. are the fundamental differences between book and movie? Let's just mm. hit that because it is key. There's a big one. It's a yeah. major one. Talk to tell us. Not the yeah. I, okay, so I, I think the okay the major thing that was the big um, sticking point for people like my parents, Stephen King, whoever used to complain about this was that in the book you're introduced to the character Jack Torrance as being having this humanity, right? Like he's a flawed guy, he has addiction problems, he's an alcoholic, but he has a great like warmth inside of him and he's a real genuine family man. And Wait, this, sorry, in the book you're saying? Yes, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Got so it. Okay. in the book, he's not starting out as um, frustrated, resentful psychopath man. Right. He's starting out as as a yeah. flawed man, but who got loves it, his family, it. who has, you know, he's an alcoholic, he was a teacher, he, he, he got fired from his job, right? But him and Wendy, there's a good vibe between them. She's yeah. kind of this this sexy blonde who's like, they, he's always like, I remember he was always like touching her ass in the book and like, there's a warmth and like, and Danny like loves his dad and it's all, about, it's kind Whoa. of like, the yeah. power of like family and then how these supernatural forces tear yes. them apart. And right. then there's like redemption. So there's a before and an after exhibit. Yes. So this is the, the movie is, is, is literally the exact opposite, yes. which I think is, is totally cool. It's just a totally separate approach. Like, so Kubrick's approach was like, this guy is bad news. This yeah. guy from is an jump. abusive dude. The, He's an abusive from, father right. and an yeah. abusive husband from the get-go. From the get-go. And the the haunting and, and the evil is coming from inside of him. Right. And it's the isolation with his family that brings it out, not the right. ghosts per se. The yeah. ghosts are like almost a manifestation of like the horror of that abuse and being like trapped with that abuse. Yeah. And so it's it, like people were complaining, oh, there's no transition. Like it's not realistic. He's an asshole from okay. the beginning. But that was in Kubrick's mind. Like, like hmm. I, w- I was reading this essay, the Kaya de Cinema essay, which I, it's so fucking good, but it's all about like kind of picking that apart more in terms of Kubrick talking about like wanting to make a movie that was about the horror of marriage. And it was about like the hell of like family dynamics when like fear and anger and resentment and abuse basically seep in. And once that festers, like the hell at the end of that kind of situation in a family and like how that's the real terror, like not the bodies in the bathtub or the blood in the elevator, but like when that like abuse festers in a family and that's kind of what his approach was. I'm a little confused though, if you don't mind, like, so yeah. So you're seeing a, a mostly happy-go-lucky guy at the beginning of the novel. You're seeing a pretty functional family 
Yeah. If I'm understanding you right, it depicts flawed, flawed but functional. Like yeah. like and then there's a slow descent. Yes. So um like Amityville. Got it. But why would yeah. a guy who's, you know, having a good day, a bad day, but he's all right and his family's like mostly okay and functional and like what what uh, if not for a possession of ghosts situation, what would usher that in? Um is, is it the isolation where he has to face his family and himself in that family because of this bizarre circumstance of the isolation yeah so face the family the, the okay so to backtrack a little bit yeah i think it's the isolation which also is another example like in terms of like domestic abuse for instance like when people are isolated like during covid for instance like skyrocketed right, the, the, the rates right. of the domestic like when you're actually right. trapped in isolation like right. that is when things get people very very bad cabin and fever and cabin fever but it's right. much more than that it's like when an murder bad though like but it can it can it can like when when an abuser is like in a situation where the 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 part of the part of his issue is yeah. that he resents the family he wants to like there's the deep-seated like desire which i think Got a it. lot of men have deep down of like it's the fantasy of wanting to destroy that cage that i know that, i do right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. no so it's like you you know that domestic shit. it's like terrible. right i got you so yeah. so he in the beginning of the film you see um when you see wendy um and and danny and the child psychiatrist the psychologist or whatever oh. the pediatrician right to oh me God. that scene is something that is so brilliant because it's like in that scene you see yeah. the wife who's the abused wife you see the son who's already traumatized before yeah, right. they go to the hotel right. yeah. and when she and that beautiful shot of shelly duvall just like on her face with the cigarette with the oh, ash yeah. and the ashes the long ash right That's... and she and the the pediatrician saying, okay, so when did you first start hearing, when did Danny first start talking to Tony? Was it when you moved to Boulder or when you this and that? She's like, actually it started when he was in preschool and he had a physical his accident. Injury. You know, his injury. He had an injury. Yeah. And the woman goes, how did he hurt himself? And it's like, oh, it was an accident. You know, and it could happen to anyone. My husband got a little drunk and he pulled his arm and dislocated his arm. Yeah. And yeah. you could see her face. It's the denial. It's, it's the, great. You know, it's, and it's then the really... pediatrician's face is like, yeah, it's really masterfully done in in that in her performance and in yeah. that whole scene where, you know, it's a very subtle but, you know, ways like for us to read into everything. It's not explicit exposition. Yeah. You know, it's very well subtly performed so we understand, oh, shit is not okay in this house. Right. And it's also magnified with a great fucking Kubrick just hard cut when she basically says like, yeah, he hasn't had a drink in 5 months cut and then it says closing time you know it gets us right out of there so we know definitively oh shit you know like shit is not good mm -hmm. here um, it's funny i gotta yeah. say like now the first time you see jack in the film uh he's just being a hundred percent fake yeah i'm just thinking out loud right now totally like, i find that interesting like basically it's like five minutes of this man that we're introduced to, like just being fake, like she's an avid horror movie and ghost story. <laughs> you know, just like, just yeah. like he's at a job interview, everybody's yeah. fake then. But it's just like, that is, it's sort of interesting to me where it's like, you're not getting the real guy and maybe you never are because you yeah. get a fake man, a fake rendering of a man yeah. and then you're in the cabin or fever world of the, yeah. the Overlook. So yeah. it's like, like you you come in awkwardly because totally. you're not getting a real impression of this man yeah the only other thing you see is him getting kind of snippy with danny 
talking about the Donner Party. He's like, well, he saw it on the television. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, what's this fucking guy's problem? Yeah, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> he's yeah, no, and he snaps at Danny. He's out on the That's TV. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and he's like, like, Danny's like, I'm dad, like dad, I'm I'm hungry, and he's like, yeah, should have eaten your lunch or whatever, right, you know. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, jeez, like, <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like it's you know it's like these things were character choices that. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. we're, they time. were going in there with these intentions. Like yeah. he's already on edge, and yeah, he's, exactly. he's he's snipping at his family. He's he's com- he completely hates his wife. Yeah, like you from the very beginning. What's, he- what's mm-hmm. the first time we see him and Wendy? Does anybody remember like the first conversation? Like the, in, like the, in do- the car? I think it's in the car. I think it's but, in the Dahmer party car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the next scene is the next scene is probably not much. They're, they obviously kind of live separately mm-hmm. and then it's very they're walking around and being kind of fake it's very fake though like Again, you said like he's like hi hi honey she's like hi hon hi exactly. honey and it's all this weird fakey like this is yeah. not how a, fake when they're being given the tour yes yeah. like this is not how a real couple yeah. interacts there's like this falseness and yeah. jack is very putting on this like 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 their relationship's and, just collapsed and there's yeah. this <laughs> fake husk that they're putting up to get yeah. through this work thing he's got. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. It yeah. Seems like she wants a good relationship, though. You know, yes. Seems like she, well, she wants does. it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. She wants and it she, a lot. Yeah. And she's like, she kind of reminds me of like a scared rabbit, like mm-hmm. the way her performance is, like who's been like, you know, traumatized and who's just kind of like, yes, honey, yes, hon. Like, well, it's, you know. I know. Yeah. One of the things, you know, we're talking about the difference between this and the novel, and I haven't read the novel, but mm-hmm. I have watched those little clips of Stephen King, like com- complaining about this movie, which is really yeah. fun, right? Doesn't like the ending. He doesn't like, you know, yeah. this. But one of the things he mentioned was he thought that the, her portrayal of, or that Kubrick's portrayal of Wendy was misogynistic, you know, that he huh. made her too weak and helpless. And yeah. That, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably just yeah. more up to like Shelley's, like, choices as a performer and Kubrick working with her to get something that was like interesting on film, you know, but yeah, um, that is a, that is a slight nitpick that I do have as well with the movie, which we'll, we'll save our nitpicks for the end, but, there but is I a think po- that was a, <laughs> yeah. a choice. Like, I think that was yeah, intentional. They made her look terrifying. Yeah. Like she's very alienating. Like they're all these three family members are like alienated from yeah. each other and there's nothing warm about she's the black hair and the white yeah yeah like it's, it's funny even the kid's not relatable because he's got some telekinetic power and he talks with his finger <laughs> yeah. he's immediately yeah. off-putting yeah. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> at a typical day in school he's probably in the corner you know right yeah. talking to tony at recess yeah <laughs> the, the, the telekinetic oh, back. Oh, the joke Mm. Burns. The telekinetic thing always seemed weird to me. You know, just the shine, like the, the whole the name of the movie, yeah. The Shining, and the it's fact like that when you burn toast, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems right. kind of unnecessary to me in a way. Like it's right. like it, it's a it's a let's can we make it a choice here? Is it a ghost story or is it about telepath well, telepathy? Well, yeah, well, it's both. Well, wait, and I kind of feel like it doesn't. I mean, my right. always take watching it is I know it's Catman Crothers needs it or whatever. But I'm always kind of like, it doesn't need, that's the least important detail to mm-hmm. me is just well, The Shining. And that's the name of the yeah. fucking movie. I, I might know? add, it's a, it's a tad distracting uh, mm-hmm. because it is, like you're just saying, Marcus, it's like it's opening up another chapter or another book is being opened. It's like, so what's all that? Because cause he's saying, well, because Scatman does have The Shining as well and they're bonding. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, like some ice cream, Doc? You know, and like, how do you like some ice cream, Doc? And so, so they have a thing. Which mm-hmm. is like an establishing. I guess what I'm trying to say is like there are two other human beings in the reality of this film that have this gift, mm-hmm. and they're having a bond. 
And so that is an established thing that right. actually could you could distinguish it from ghostly possession. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. By the way, if you have The Shining, if you're Scatman Crothers, why would you go to this obviously horrific ghost lady? <laughs> yeah, I know. Location? Yeah. <laughs> you're getting <laughs> murdered. Yeah. yeah. But you know? but uh, but yeah. uh, from what I understand, all that burnt toast. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Uh, from, okay. from, from, from what I understand uh, from maybe the source material or whatever, the idea mm -hmm. is that because Danny has this ability to connect with, you know, see premonitions and connect with the supernatural, that the forces of the hotel are wanting Danny and to be able mm -hmm. to connect with Danny. And that's what's kind of, you know, the, the conduit, if you will. Right. Uh, it's like Game of Thrones or something where the, the, the White Walkers are trying to get the telepathic people. That's just you, bro. That's just you, bro. You guys haven't seen Game no. of Thrones? Never watched the frame. No, I've never seen it. Um, okay, but the, um, the, 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 the thing I want to just add just as a, as a button to what you were talking about, Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick, I, 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 I do love when Stephen King talks about how, you know, the end of The Shining novel ends with him burning down the overlook uh hotel you know and it's a kind of a sign of strength almost you know and at um at, right. at the end kubrick's movie ends with the icy cold and he always complains that you know the movie is just cold it's icy and so it's like i'm fire he's ice you know and i i, yeah. I do kind of dig that sort of distillation of it um but if we can just to move things along here mm. oh, um yeah. i just want to point out to real quick <clears throat> this is probably a good point just to talk about the masterful just music and the score of this film. Dude. It's just incredible. The Wendy Carlos. Um, <laughs> and Stunning. there's there's one particular moment where it becomes, for me, like like the peak for me is the second helicopter shot when it's the whole family we we're just talking about. And when they're all together in the car and there's a shot of them driving up to the Overlook, and there's just these synth waves that are rolling yeah. in. Forget it. And it's yeah. just like... Twisting knobs high and fucking low, and it's mm -hmm. just this it. beautiful And it matches textural. the epic scope of the helicopter it footage. It does. But in a very disarming way. Like, it could be nice lush footage, and I'm sorry, excuse me, music, and make the footage feel like, you know, life affirming. Mm. But to have such sour creepy synth tones which is really all just it's a vista of like mother nature <laughs> just yeah. making it feel all sour mm. and it's brilliant and it's classic magic of filmmaking examples it's you know? incredible it's like an audio visual there are moments in this movie that become pure like audio visual test your stereo yes. moments definitely you know that definitely. are just fucking out of control yeah. yeah, just to state the obvious too. It's like it's so cool. It's the, like their second great collaboration mm -hmm. that yeah. proved super fruitful. You know, oh. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, and yeah. Wendy Orange. Yeah, oh my, and like yeah, Clockwork Orange. That music made that movie. I mean that that was you can't you Stunning. know no. extract those things from each other. But no. Wendy Carlos was saying that like with The Shining, with the opening, like she was trying to achieve like how do I create like a modern gothic horror vibe. So she was taking like the idea of like an old school gothic horror, then adding the synth to like make it modern. So cool, and like 1980-ish. Yeah, 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 to bring yeah. it to the 80s. And like, so cool. and but the synth adds such a visceral element to the whole film, because then you have a mixture of composers that ended up coming in, collaborating mm -hmm. as well. So you have a lot of those different yeah. tones musically, right. which are very like frantic and, 
And then the synth comes in and it like kind of just makes your stomach drop. It and does. it's like that. It's very Lynchian too, it because mm. it reminds me a lot of, well, this movie re- reminds me a lot of Fire Walk With Me um, in terms of like the dom- domicile as like the horror, the place of horror. And like like yeah. the Leland Palmer and, and the killer Bob and all of that stuff of like the, just right. when the she's father. At the, Killing the family, and yeah. the father, and like she's at the dinner table, you know, right. Laura, and he's like, "Did you clean your hands? Did you oh. clean your nails?" And like, like to me, that's a very shining scene. Like, totally. that's if anyone's ever had a, a, you know, a parent who's abusive or lives in a house with an abuser. Like, there's something that house becomes it's a nightmare. It becomes it's like, a haunted you know, it's this, house. It's this oppressive house. atmosphere. You it's oppressive. And I'm like getting chills talking about, it. but like bigger right, than life, like right. bigger gotcha. than life is the same thing to me. Like the movie bigger yeah. than life, this movie and the shining, like to me are all like yeah. cousins. And, and, and it's, it's all about like children experiencing this more, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, children, young people, you know, yeah. which is like, you know, like you don't have maybe the fortitude that an adult might, you know, so it's, it's really yeah. extra disturbing because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, and it's also not clear and obvious, like, you know, like getting mugged or something or a car accident. It's like, it's like really just bad feelings. Like, bad I mean, vibes. Like yeah. Clouding deeply up bad. the whole room. Exactly. And it's so constant and it's an undercurrent of like, and when you live with that kind of fear and like, to me, that's like what the movie really evokes and it just yeah, unsettles yeah. me. Like, and the way that Danny's performance, dread. like he dread, pure dread. That's a great word for it. Like Danny, the actor, when you see him interviewed in like the Vivian Kubrick thing, he's just like a cute little kid who's talking and he's really doing that performance he's as great. like a, some, a kid who's traumatized, who's like dissociating, you know, yeah. and like in the beginning when he's having the premonition in the bathroom i was talking to evan about this earlier and it's like it's very don't look now as well and and stephen king was inspired by that story as we we talked about that like because he took that from daphne du maurier that's where the shining bit came from um and he used it then like as a plot device um but it's interesting in don't look now where donald sutherland is like forecasting his own death but he doesn't know that's what he's seeing right and in this movie like like tony's not saying to to danny like Oh, there's going to be ghosts. It's going to be scary. It's like your dad is going to try to kill you. Yeah. But that's why Tony's like, I can't tell you. I yeah. can't tell you. It's too dark. And that's right. that's the part of the book I threw the yeah. book because oh. I was so so scared. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, I, I thought Tony was sort of like his way of like explaining uh, as a kid, you're telepathic and you don't understand why you're seeing these visions. So yeah. he's like sort of translating it as Tony talking to him, and Tony doesn't tell him but he does show him that river of blood you know in the hallway yeah uh but there's something weird like it's and people might disagree because it's obviously this is all interpretive like it's all up and and that's what kubrick wanted like he said multiple times like it has to be ambiguous in the same way that lynch said that like it's for the mm -hmm. audience to interpret Mm -hmm. these things right this is a a framework you know but um well in other words there's nothing to explain right which is don't explain so it irks me about modern approaches to this film it's like that's not the point it's like completely off track it it takes its power away it takes its power away if you explain it yeah it it does but what i was going to say with the 20 i I keep on doing this sorry marcus go ahead oh i just i do want to drill down that just for a second because it is sort of like um there's no turnkey solution i agree like does Full Metal Jacket have a turnkey solution? Is a Clockwork Orange like? Can you boil it down into a sentence? What it's all about, or no. whatever you know, like. Yeah. And so I don't think that was the point of this movie either. And there's like no. Kubrick, obviously, is a genius, but there's sort of this overestimation of like what's possible, like on a film production, in terms of like control and like symbolism and stuff. Yeah. And right. 
and how many how deep the you know layers you, the rabbit hole could possibly go like in terms of like planning for a film you know right right and there's this mythologizing that happened because he died young you know and so i think that sort of coalesces in something like room 237 where people are theorizing that like oh it's actually kubrick confessing to his moon that he's the one who faked the moon yeah. landing or okay, whatever let's, you know let's that, stop that's right there well, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm kidding <laughs> Well, um, but I, yeah, so I mean, that's some of the things that, that come up, but when you hear Kubrick talk about like in the documentary, you know, that, uh, Ram, Ramey mentioned, or like, uh, there's some recordings of him talking about the film and interviews and stuff. And just talking about how, like, when you're making a movie, you just, you're making a plan and you're getting everything set up, but then you look to the, when you actually roll, it doesn't actually go the way that you want it to go. And then you have to kind of tweak it and make it work. And that's why he's doing like hundreds of takes sometimes to get it work. Hundreds and hundreds. And not just yeah. to get his, what he has in mind, but just to make it interesting, you know? And so yeah. I think he's trying to, I think sometimes there are some, there is some validity to these crackpot theories that come up because I do think he sticks things in there to make it more interesting for the audience and to leave it more open-ended, like you're saying, you know, mm -hmm. to have some sort of alternate interpretations. And there's weird stuff. Like there's one, you know, crackpot theory I kind of got into briefly, this guy, Rob Ager, who's got a YouTube channel, Collative Learning, whatever. Uh, he digs into it talking about the child abuse angle, you know, and the things that he points out are really nuts. Like at the beginning, Jack's reading a Playgirl magazine and on the cover of the Playgirls and is an article that says, the cover that has an article that says incest why parents sleep with their children you know that's on the cover of the, that's in the fucking movie that's wow. so weird that is why weird. is he reading a playgirl magazine you know yeah and then there's yeah. like you know there's some other stuff with like the pillow the bear pillow behind the uh, the kid when he's being uh talked to by the psychologist mm -hmm. and he, the guy's like shows the original bear and it has round eyes but like, you know, the, the original bear doll in like an ad has round eyes, but then in the movie, the eyes are cut to look like the elevator thing, you know, the elevator windows. Well, we can, we can show you in the, uh, uh, yeah, in the, you know, in the edit of the podcast, but it's just, there's these weird things, these weird parallels that are left in there. There's even a sign that says like choking in the movie. That's like, it's like buried in the background well, and it says choking and it's got like a river of blood underneath it. And the guy's whole theory is like, Hey, all this stuff is just saying that like, in that scene uh, where Danny's sitting on his dad's lap and he's like, I'd never hurt you, you know, yeah. whatever. And then it cuts the that. next we gotta day. Get there. Yeah. And then he's quiet or whatever. He's saying like in that scene, he was like choking him or sexually abusing him, you know, and that's something we don't see in the movie. Right. And I'm like, wow, I, I actually digging all the evidence. I'm like, I don't know if that's the secret, the key or whatever, yeah, but I think I that those you. things could have been, those breadcrumbs could have been left in there as, as, a, as an interpretation by Kubrick, just to make it more interesting. He has been right. cheeky in the past. I know he's been cheeky. I, I'm looking at the clock and, and getting Go nervous. Ahead. So, okay, just, just real quick. I'm, I'm going to just, just to put a bow on that too. It's like, I, I don't think there's any crazy conspiracy theory, like of what the meaning is. I think he's just utilizing uh, uh, symbolism and imagery to communicate the main themes of the movie. You know, which is, yeah, that makes total you know, sense. A, a family deteriorating, and let's put all the effort into imagery and the sound and everything that reinforces that main theme. I don't think it's yeah. anything. He's always more very considered. Yeah, of everything in the frame, everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think it all just Completely. goes back to that. Like, this is what this story is. It's a drama. Yeah, about a family. Yeah, and the scene that Marcus was talking about, Evan. I know we were talking about mentioning that scene too. I want to get into it right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Okay. So Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I'm just going to set it up and then you take it. So basically, okay. okay. Let's. We have a succession of scenes here that are pretty important, uh, and it's one of the scary ones, and it's a crucial one. 
where basically Danny is watching TV downstairs with uh, his mom and he wants to go upstairs to get his truck. And that means he's going to have this one on one interaction, which is him and Jack. And it's a very disturbing scene where he has this conversation with him where his dad is basically like, I'm never going to hurt you and all this stuff. And yeah, Rami, take it away. Yeah, I think like that scene is in terms of talking about this theme of like living with that dread and living with that feeling like he's with his mom sitting down there and he's like, mom, please, I want to get my fire engine. And she's just like, please don't wake him up. Like, just don't Mm -hmm. like, do not disturb like the beast, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know, you know, like tiptoe around him. And when he goes up there and he there's like this such an intense fear of just like being so careful around his dad like it's not even it's like it's comparable to the fear of like seeing the ghosts of those little girls like the fear of his dad just sitting in his bathrobe of like what is he going to do and like when he sits next to him yeah and his dad pulls him over to him it's the most and danny's face is just like terrified like it's the most cold scary and he says like dad you would never hurt me and mom would you you know and and then and then jack says like you know why would you why did she tell you that is she putting that in your head and like like to me that's just such a very very scary yeah very scary totally yeah and then it goes from that sequence to you know (laughs) jack uh, at his writing desk and uh, oh yeah and just the fact that like this whole movie is predicated on like him being a hack writer you know trying to fucking <laughs> you know with with his own sense of hubris to write this great novel and it's just also disturbing but anyway so yeah. he's got his face down on the desk and he's having a nightmare I guess and he's screaming and that's echoing through the halls and um, and then of course you know Shelley comes down to try to console him very scary, amazing shot. Also, shout out to the Steadicam work throughout this film. It's yeah. obviously on fucking fire. But there's a really amazing shot where you see Danny walking in, and the and the and the Steadicam is tracking him in very slow, and it looks like almost a third person video game, like a fucking Grand Theft Auto vision, you know, of the kid coming mm-hmm. in, and it's it's oh man, that is so effective, and that's when he first is. When he, when he turns his head and he reveals he's got bruises all over his body, you know, right. and then she comes you know, in. She's and like, you and, did wow. this to him. And, you know, right. and then like later on, he says like to Wendy, like, well, I didn't do this to him. He maybe he did it to himself, you know, yeah. and like, right. And it's just like, oh, it's 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 really terrifying. It's and then all he's, this denial, like denial, like that's his Tony, like 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 the ghosts in a way are like Jack's Tony of like this this disassociation as you were saying earlier yeah so, yeah you know and then he's not dealing you know yeah the complete disassociation and like he starts blaming wendy and then it's all right. about like putting the blame back on wendy and like you've never given me a chance and you've always blamed me and like my like later on when she, when oh, she's God. like we need to get out of here and he's like get out of here and ruin my chances of this great success here and like like you've always it's like what yeah. the fuck you're, you're sabotaging like, me you know? yeah and like you've like spent your whole life trying to ruin my life and i right. and it's all the resentment that's existed from day one of yeah. us seeing these and two it's people. very common like negative personal dynamics that have nothing to do with like ghosts or anything no completely very real and he's basically saying like do you want me to go back there to boulder and like work at a gas station and shovel snow and like you know basically it's like well he's a failed uh male you know a failed failed male exactly (laughs) ego of a failed male yeah but he's very uh, it's also very brood-esque in that way too because 
uh, talking about Cronenberg's The Brood because there is a a, a, a a correlation that Kubrick does show us in that scene when when Jack is yelling at Wendy and he's like you know saying you know I like uh, I let you fuck up my life or whatever he's throwing yeah, it all on so her. Scary. But then we see like it cuts to Danny being like. You know, and then like it's activating the trauma, and then we see the right, we see him right. screaming, and we see the elevator opening. I well, think this is the, not the, the first time he screamed at at mom. You know, yeah, like, yeah. And so he heard that sound before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, very ugly, very, very ugly. ugly. But also the thing. Want, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I wonder what it would be like if the film was just pure psychology and there were no ghosts. You know, I was thinking while you guys were yeah. talking, I was like, it's not purely just you know family drama because that we. She sees ghosts. He, the kid, sees ghosts. Everyone yeah. sees ghosts. Um, you know, so there is that horror element there. And yeah, I totally. just was for a second as a thought exercise. I was like, what if well, the shining we were, was just like a yeah. abusive father and no ghosts? Well, we were. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how Kubrick want, would have wanted it. To, you know, in a way, because we were sort of talking about this you sit similar thought experiment of like you know the movie's grim this is a grim fucking movie yeah. and it's very yeah, dr- really. it's dread is layered in almost from like minute five onward is just pure dread <laughs> um yes. and it's not very like quote unquote fun you know it's not a fun no. horror movie and there's not a lot of <laughs> unfun horror movies like this up at this point in time right, right. And so it's right, uh right. so we were sort of thinking like i wonder if at some point he was like I don't know, like in the edit room, he was like, well, we got to maybe add in some, you know, more f- more fun spooks, you know, and st- scary stuff in there. Because the, Well, the blood-filled elevator. Well, that. there's that, but there's also yeah. this kind of like half-baked uh, shots in there towards the end of just like skeletons in the lobby. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. You know, like the, the skeletons. But I think yeah. it, was, it was either in this essay I was reading or in one of the documentaries Someone was speculating. I don't know if it was someone that like had a firsthand experience with Kubrick on set, but that the film was becoming purely a grim, grim. almost like scenes of a marriage, yeah. dark family abuse drama. I mean, it is, and that as they were, as he was filming, <laughs> like as he was watching dailies, it was kind of like shit. I like, like Evan was saying, like Get I need to add in these in elements and and the yeah. music and the skeletons and like <laughs> great party, isn't it? Great party, isn't it? Yes, yeah. right. And you like right. Tom, you head. were you were saying that Tom, like where you're kind of sometimes conflicted because there is a tonal yeah. shift that happens to like at the end where like yeah. there it's it's like a little bit of like the hokey ghost thing at the end, and then yeah. the comedic. Well, the shot. final note is doing the implication of uh, like you've just been watching simply a ghost story of yeah. of a of like the same ghost. <laughs> through time and, and you know well like almost like a vampire yeah. thing like in, yeah it's the same face of the vampire from the 1690s yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like in fright night or something yeah. yeah yeah like you've seen that stuff before the haunted portrait that kind of thing and, yeah um, weird and i'm okay with that and guess what he executes it really well the he music does. being echoey and everything's great the slow zoom you know i like the, the the execution but i was always that is the that that's what i was saying earlier before the show it was like that is the final note of the film yeah. And, you know, and that always matters to me. It's like, what are you leaving me with? Like, totally. what exactly is dung, you I know, know, like, I like know. credits? It's like, and that always, it didn't, it's not disappointing or it's not confusing. It's just, um, I feel that it's, uh, it's, it's out of nowhere and sort of un, uh, 
It's just, you know, it just distracts me yeah. because because the movie is kind of on fire with all yeah. these themes we're talking about. And then it's like, ooh, in 1921, this happened before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. did he have to end with that? Yeah. Well, and it was that a concession to making, you know, a genre film, which was new. Yeah. Film, yeah. I mean, I think he wanted it to be a hit movie. You know, I right. mean, I think coming off of Barry Lyndon, which he wasn't well received. Right? right. And then I think he, he pairing up with a hot writer like Stephen yeah. King to make yeah. it. I think he wanted to make hit movie everyone wants to make movies that people enjoy i think on some level you know so yeah, yeah. but i think he wanted yeah. to make a hit movie and it's funny like spoiler alert but he does address the ending at some point you guys seen that um Ooh. that uh it's like a, there's like a japanese tv show oh yeah that he does a call in interview with he in talks the, about 2001 and everything yeah yeah and the guy asks him like what is the ending of 2001 he's like well i don't usually talk about it but if you're since you're asking me let me attempt to explain it and he basically explains the ending of 2001 and then the guy's like well you know while we're talking how about the ending of the shining you know yeah, and so yeah and, uh so he, he uh, you know so he goes into the ending you know what does the picture represent and okay you know, he was basically like well you could tell that was jack nicholson right and he's like yeah i could tell it's like okay well it's just supposed to uh, you know, imply that this is a cycle, that this yes. sort of thing has happened before. Exactly. It's yeah. the mo- you know? yeah. hack ghost story. Kind no, of but, thing, but the you know? thing is, that's super interesting. Like, it is, it's about the cycle of, like, abuse. Like, yeah. I know you're probably mm-hmm. sick of me saying this, but, like, <laughs> it's that, <laughs> honestly, like, that's what is interesting. It's, like, all of these stories, like, same thing with Fire Walk With Me, like, right. like Leland Palmer says when he's finally, like, yeah. facing Bob, he's like, you know, there was a guy next door and he used to light matches and he you know when i was a little Mm -hmm. boy and it's like it's like this cycle of abuse keeps on happening over and over again and so it's Mm -hmm. like it's like a transference and so like that's you know that's a deeper way to like understand what's happening i got a tony here danny is a 45 year old man oh okay here's the thing here's the thing about that though the thing that here's a maybe a little nitpick on the on the ending itself just aside from it's like okay he's in the 20s you know and all that stuff Little nitpick is that it's interesting that the note that he leaves us with is uh, about Jack. You know, when you think that it would make more sense to leave us on a note about Danny, you know, because they just drive off in that snow plow and you don't ever see them again. You know, I don't think I don't think it should have ended like that. Like me and Evan were talking like the brood. Like, I think it should have been the brood. brood. I think it should have been on Danny's face in that and and with her driving. And yeah, it's about his trauma. Yeah. And the same Uh, way with the brood with Candy's face, like after all that shit goes down, you know that it's happening to her. again. Can I say one thing, though? I think, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, that's the last time you see them. Yeah. Uh, like driving away. But I got to say, one thing I really liked was the last time you see Danny sort of in action is him being very smart. Yeah. Yeah, true. And actually outsmarting yeah. his dumb, destroyed dad. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, yeah, true, you know? true, true. And, and I, you know, as a kid, I saw it and I was just like, you fucking go for it, Danny. Like, yeah. <laughs> with, with the footprints and all yeah, that. No, yeah, backtrack because he, you know, and, and he saved his own life. And that, I don't know if it gave me hope or gives me hope when I think right. about it out loud, but it's more like, right. maybe he's breaking the cycle somewhat where he's like, um, yeah. and I don't really want to overanalyze this yeah, symbolism, but yeah. I just mean like he is, uh, well, he didn't die, you know, that didn't yeah. follow through with the father, you know, yeah. and, 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 the, and, the, and the killing of his child. But he 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 used, uh, you know, his his intellect and he broke through. I don't know how much he broke through the cycle, but 
Yeah. At least didn't die. It killed and him. It, it looks killed. like he had some gumption. Yeah. Maybe there's some right. strength in Danny. And last thing I'll yeah. say too is, yeah. you were saying that Wendy is a weak person, but she gets pretty strong. Yeah. And she gets real and she gets mama bear and she tries to deal. And, yeah. you know, she does figure things out to get Danny out of the window and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, so, so I think that there's, um, it's not hopeful, but I feel like the note that struck with the, the father and the, uh, excuse me, the mother and the son mm-hmm. is that they are coping. You're that's you're right. Things. You're right. Oh, Actually, God. that's yeah. true. That's and he ends on a note of like an oaf, like a monster, like yeah. an oafish monster who's like ridiculous. Right. You know? right. And and like yeah, like like almost like Danny. In a fa- yeah, Danny. <laughs> like in a in like a fairy tale or something, and like just this like mangled dumb ogre, ogre. He's and looking yeah a lot weaker and he's not looking that frightening anymore and so it is it's actually an opt it's weirdly optimistic and in, in, like you're saying in that and yeah the ghost of grady you know the other caretaker yeah he says to jack at a certain point he says oh your wife is much more resilient than we thought right. yeah and so it's, it's 1980 it's, Right. Yeah. And so she kind of does <laughs> so, like she subverts that because well, you're right. Like she starts as this terrifying, right. you know. Right. Per, but, yeah. But uh, Grady, it's interesting, too. You know, at the beginning of the film, when they talk about, you know, that he killed his whole family with an axe or whatever in that hotel, yeah. that's in 1970 or whenever they say that it happens. But well, yeah, then he true. also reverts to 1920s man. Um, yeah. You know, so I when, think that was a that was a Stephen King element you know right, right. i think it's like the fact that he's wearing the bustler outfit and he's like yeah. hello you know, so it's like there's <laughs> just right. that you yeah. know and it's just remember that there is like a sequel isn't there just like a half-baked sequel to the shining oh that came God. out yeah, a few years ago with you and, and it was like from danny's perspective oh. yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes all right yes, hold yes. up Doctor don't Sleep. watch that um, yeah okay hang on here. so well, 10 okay, minutes Ten minutes nope. left. I, I, if I can, I just, I want. There's, I've just, so much I want to talk about, but I know one thing you all definitely want to talk about. So I want to bring it up. Is mm. you know, you were talking about Scatman, and one of the things too, you're like, <laughs> does The Shining need to be in the movie? You know, the jury's still out on that. But of course, it is the mechanic in how Scatman does know that he's got to help them and try and save it's them. It's a plot device. It's a plot it, device. It I, I, it's it, the bat signal. Like, there's it's the trouble bat signal. in the outlook. So it works. Yeah, that's but true. It could have been a phone call, too, or something, though. It, you know, it, like, it could have been. Called him? But then they're... Maybe. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, you don't have to, like... It's, there's ways around that problem besides telepathy, Yeah, what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> Marcus the, does in, not like ideas like that. In the but book, anyway. it's... what Evan, you were <laughs> right. Like, it's the ghosts want Danny. They want yeah. Danny to become... Yeah. Wait, right. Wait. The other ghost problem with the ghost thing is that he Jack gets out of the fridge, right? So the the ghosts let yes. him out at the locked yeah, refrigerator. They do. So they I do. mean, that's, that makes it a ghost there. story too. It that is. is. It's it all yeah. is together. Like it's because not like he very practically one, is stuck in the fridge. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. One does not exclude the other. Like it's like it Guys? is a horror film with all of that. Tony. Yeah, sorry. Tony. Ahead. Time. Okay. So <laughs> Scatman, you guys want to talk about this? Trust me, you really do. The set piece where he is getting visions and um and uh, yeah, that something's fucking going on at the Overlook Hotel. It's an incredible scene Amazing. where he's in his, I guess, vacation pad, his house somewhere where it's probably warm, and um and he's got Florida, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's and yeah. he's got an incredible. He's surrounded by amazing, you know, Afro ladies, uh, you know, uh, portraits, um, in his in his bedroom, and it's and it's incredible. And then and you see him in the face. You know, it's all yeah, he's like in his yeah. performance, the facials he's making with the heartbeats that come in. And I was yeah. blasting this on my stereo and it was intense. It rocks. It rocks that yeah. scene. It gets yeah. very prog rock, this film. And that's it definitely is one prog rock. It, is. it really yeah. is. 
And so that that scene's incredible. Yeah. I love Can I just room, mention yeah. one other thing we were talking about? Like, just uh, open up to you guys. You know, like, we're talking about, okay, maybe he wants to make a concession and have some genre film elements and kind of be a yeah. hit. You know what he did, and like we're saying, is a little is that working, or like is he like half-heartedly trying to do horror movie concessions? Maybe, but what I will say is he had one unforgettable set piece that is the most famous mm. part of the movie, yes. and it is executed brilliantly, and it's as good as any regular ass horror movie, Friday the Thirteenth psycho thing ever. Yeah, it's the smashing down with the axe. Yeah, of the bathroom uh, door, uh, executed brilliantly, frightening, funny, <laughs> dark. Uh, yep. Nicholson moment, but I'm just saying that that is as good as any horror. He did achieve that. Yes, and it's not about like you know a moody dread family drama moment. You know, no, it's a, no, totally. it's not a mood piece moment. It's a rockin' yeah killer. Horror and movie. the yeah. woman in the bathtub, guys. I mean, Jesus yeah. fucking Christ! Yeah. I can't sleep in a hotel Amen. room with yeah. a. I I check bathrooms the twenty laugh. times. The laugh is so it, it's yeah. terrifying. It's terrifying, like guys. for sure. Totally. The bear suit blowjob is one of the like freakiest things. Yeah, it is. The freakiest thing in the movie. Yeah, it's great. It's just great. that psychosexual, horror sexual element of it that yeah. is yeah. completely just tossed out there, left on the table, and not yeah. like, I'm not going to never touch this at I all. Just I'm just gonna, you know. It feels like a hint to that secret millionaire rich society kind of eyes wide shut thing, too. Yes. <laughs> like, millionaires yeah. come here and they do weird yeah, things. Yeah, that's what it they is. They wear masks and do like sexual yeah. weird, weird, weird 1920s furry people and shit, you know? Right. All the best um, people. Yeah. But uh, just real quick, like, you know, like talking about Jack for a minute, you know, uh, you know, shout out. Do you want a piece of pizza? But um, <laughs> the thing about Jack is it was hard for me, like watching it back. And I know it's like it's so iconic and so it's stepped on in terms of his performance. Sure. But it does get a little Jim Carrey-esque as it goes on. <laughs> How do we feel Light about that? of my life. No, yeah, yeah. Is that because Jim, Jim Carrey's doing Jack? Yeah, because Jim Carrey <laughs> impersonates true. it. It is. I know. He's, he did. He he. Uh, yeah. He made that out he of ruined whole cloth. It. Yeah. Whatever he's parodied, that yeah. you know he oh, he that's invented in, before our eyes. And right. yeah, he goes broad. He I goes. Um, that's actually a very interesting point, Evan, because yeah. usually Kubrick likes actors mostly to be kind of stick figures, yeah, more or less, uh, yep. less than usual. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, utility. The utility of uh, using an actor. He like often likes to just have them be, you know, um, stick figures. Like two thousand one is the best example. I sure. mean, he did modify it for Malcolm McDowell's performance. Very commanding. Yeah. But what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say is that Jack, uh, specifically Jack Nicholson, is a huge actor, a hammy actor, which is right. not normal. His for speed. Well, he's got Peter Sellers. He works with him a lot, you know, like uh, too. Which uh, you know, another yeah. person that would just take over your movie in a way, which he did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But in right. Lolita, Earlier, okay. he, yeah. yeah, Lolita and stuff. Yes, and Strange, Cooper, Love, yeah. Uh, Strange Love. But I'm saying that especially as he went through the years later on, yeah, he was much more into stick figure people. Ryan O'Neill, give me a break, you know, <laughs> Matthew Bodine. Like they're okay. What I'm saying is like yes. James Mason. You know, this is him working with whatever, like a Brando yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all I'm trying to say. Which is an odd fit, somewhat. And I wonder uh, how that dynamic went because you know he's a control freak, Kubrick, and then. You've got a ham on your hands, and I yeah. wonder maybe you know Jack he, wanted to go even further. You yeah, know? you know, in the um, in the little doc that his daughter made, the, yeah, oh, it's it's, great. it's it's just like Jack's fucking charisma is so out of control. Out of that. control. Like, 
I just watch that sometimes just to feel his charisma, like, because mm-hmm. it's so powerful. It's mm-hmm. like, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting point, Tom, because I think, I, I have a feeling Kubrick, like, was digging it. Like, even just looking on set, like, the way the two um, actors were so polarized in terms of um, Kubrick's attention, like, like, like he, you know, he basically dismissed and abused Duvall to get that performance right. out of her. And he treated then, her like Jack. He, uh, yeah, and that, that's mean, what he was doing. He, right. They were abusing right. her to get that performance. Yeah. And right. then Jack was totally being like put on this pedestal. Yeah. And getting all this attention, attention. And his like humor and quips. And like he was kind of allowed to just go. And I think like yeah. no leash. It shows. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I don't actually know why Kubrick made that choice. But he right. like, wanted to like jack it up to 11. Like it's he, all, he, yeah. And he, he said, he, Jack with long leash. Yeah. He said yeah. Cuckoo's Nest like was a big influence too. Like as we have to look at Jack, like pretend we haven't seen Jack all of the performances after The Shining because he wasn't like ham. Like look at Five Easy Pieces. He <laughs> I was, know. you know what I, I mean? Know. So like it's he like wasn't. Pacino got really broad. Exactly. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. like this was kind of new for Jack to like go this broad. Absolutely. No one had ever yeah. seen it. Yeah, it was so the last now, detail. He's not like that. no. So no. now we watch it yeah. and Marvin Gardens. No, so uh, but like, that's what. Well, and then he had Batman like you know later. So right. So yeah. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. It's like it's the first time for some reason Kubrick's the one who let Jack out of the bottle. Yes. With no guardrails <laughs> at yes. all. And I yes. wonder why he made. That I don't choice. know. Mm-hmm. I want to. I'm so. Curious and then Jack really liked being out of the bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he's loved like, it. Like it. He the loved it. great up here. Yeah. And then you get yeah the Joker. You know. Yeah. And then you yeah. get that forever, yeah. but like yeah. it's, it's funny like the, on, on that Kubrick, on that Vivian Kubrick doc, he does Jack does end talking about how Kubrick had more control over him in a way, or he was saying at least aspiring to that. He likes, he does, what, yeah. He does say like, well, otherwise I'm just doing my thing, and that's kind of boring. But like, yeah. you know, Stanley's kind of like telling me what to do. Then it's then it's more exciting to figure that out. But he was, yeah. and obviously Stanley was like pushing him there because I don't think like Jack would have done that. Jack, but like I don't think he would have done that on his own. Like I yeah. think it was huh. high, being encouraged yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. He's almost big in this. Like, Interesting. Well, yeah. at the very least, he's playing a crazy man. Yeah. Yes. What he's always doing. Like he's not That's, doing that in Five Easy Pieces. They, yeah. They I mean, talk, I'm yeah. crazy. So yeah. he's you know, yeah. it's kind they of talk, a dumb guy idea of a crazy man. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. But it's they talk about the folly of just perfect of just trying to be too realistic too, and how that you can get a really realistic performance. He talks yeah, about that. He says the, that, and yeah. then but it's boring on film on oh. screen. So you know, yeah, okay. and he plays and he, like, and he, yeah that that whole he scene was, where he's sorry, go ahead, Ray. Sorry, I was gonna no, I was gonna say Tom. Yeah, he was he. I really do believe that that like. Kubrick wanted him to play this role as a psychopath and like in in the book like the whole point is that he's a he has writer's block and he struggles with alcoholism which is what Stephen King struggled with mm, but he right. but at the heart of it he was a warm guy and Stephen King found refuge in family right. whereas Kubrick found like like I said before, like hell, hell in family. Yeah. And so like the way that that character is being, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like even the idea of him writing this book, supposedly Kubrick was from the beginning, like he's not a fucking writer. Like he's just this like yeah. alcoholic, angry wannabe. guy who's wannabe. a wannabe. And yeah. in, in the book, Dark. the guy actually is a writer and Dark. that he's just like this like egomaniacal. He's a huge loser. In he's a loser. Yeah. He's a loser who should be working at a gas station who's an alcoholic who oh, fucking abuses his son. That's dark. You know? and, <laughs> and so I think. I grim. Grim. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's pretending that he's an author. Yeah. You know, that right. he has this great novel, but he has nothing to show right. for it. Right. And that's and so, it. Okay. Damn. We left a lot Ramey, on the table. Ramey took us home there. <laughs> um, There's so much more, but that's the. But that's it. That. We, that's we it. it. Yeah. We got it. We got yeah. it. I think I we, mean, there's a lot we covered. There's a lot of little details that would have been fun to point out, but you can't get it all in. It's just Tom. It's I wanted to bring up natural enemies, but I forgot because oh, okay. I that I mean for maybe for another time. But I don't. Has maybe Tom we'll do seen natural that? Enemies down the have road. you seen that, Tom? Has movies about yes, once a long time ago. Okay, movies yeah. about men wanting to kill their families. Yeah. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. the opening scene. <laughs> it's the <laughs> best. Great. Yeah. Natural it's enemies, <laughs> natural enemies, guys. A a a movie about a man who fantasizes about murdering his entire family. Directed by the guy that did Revenge of the Nerds. So if you want to oh, see that, that, I think we should think about that down the line. We will. But it's, we will. It's a good yeah, sure. It's a perfect Ramy film. Obviously. Yeah. Um, okay. Rainy. Trauma, trauma uh, tour uh, yeah. twenty four. Tra- trauma, trauma tour twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traumathon. Um, okay, so that was it. One fucking hour on The Shining as part of brought to you by One Fucking Tober. Thank you guys so much for that. That was great. Um, yeah. We should, since our esteemed guest is here, uh, we should use this opportunity to talk about what next week's show is going to be. Guys, oh. what is it? Hey. Oh. Reboot walk. Reboot walk out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Walk> out. <laughs> Reboot walk out. We right. are. Let's doing, explain our chance. We are. It is going to be uh, effectively the horror movies we hate of the reboot, reboot and remake ilk. <laughs> All the horror reboots and remakes that. Uh, that are just fucking horrifyingly horrible from the last 20 years from the last yeah. 20 years but we really sh- I, let me just break um, we'll, we'll get into this next week but this was sort of loosely inspired or maybe fully inspired by you know Ramy one of the first times we talked talked movies and you know <laughs> and part of our origin story gets into mm-hmm. the fact of you telling me the experience of going in speaking of Stephen King as a big Stephen King fan you are going in yeah. and watching the pet cemetery reboot and it traumatized you to the point of what <laughs> ditching everybody you were with taking the su- subway on the wrong direction like home almost and, passing like, out in a way like, considering a, a walkout yeah, of this reboot yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like stumbling over audience members right. yeah. like, right. like, having like you're like, like a, no Fuck, yeah, no. fuck this. I'm like seeing double. I cannot stand wow. this. Love it. So I actually jo- like Joey, like you told Joey that story back in the day. Joey was there when he heard yeah. and he, he knew that, you know, <laughs> I was smitten, you know, in yeah. terms of uh, somebody who could care this passionately about <laughs> right. Um, right. the 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 foibles and awfulness of what of the modern reboot. the reboot re, modern <laughs> reboot the <laughs> bad decisions say, the fumbles this is Go still ahead. going strong there's one opening right now the, the exorcist, exorcist believer yeah. uh, it looks yeah awful. i jesus christ it's <laughs> Which, probably so bad I know. like so not bad. fun bad you think, no, dude, like in memoriam for freaking at card at the end or something oh dude William dude <laughs> it's, yeah. all, it's also david gordon green who also all those halloween oh, right that got progressively worse yes uh, you know well, I he could, did eastbound yeah uh, no that reserve, was amazing i know i know reserve uh a little bit of space for the the, the second and third halloween reboots for me a little bit sure like, we will man carve, don't worry just carve me out some time for that we will. so so Definitely. especially next week oh 
Ugh. Next week, Raimi's back. Uh, it's going to be back-to-back Raimi's here. Mm-hmm. We're going to be getting into <laughs> Reboot Walkout, talking about the worst <laughs> the horror movie remakes and reboots that get us mad um, the, beyond mad, actually. So we're going to get into all those <laughs> yeah, and all the terrible details and salted. terrible things. Just horrible, horrible, horrible. So we're going to get it's into not that. our favorite reboots. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. Uh, can't the, Rob Zombie's name might come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then, uh, yeah, we got a lot we're going to cover. I'm very excited. And then, of course, yeah. the last uh, uh, episode for one fucking Tober will the be the last episode on the left. Uh, <laughs> the last episode on Dead End Street. See, that's right. That's right. The last the last week of October, we're going to get into uh, doing one fucking hour. Our special guest, Aunt Timpson, all the, coming all the way from New Zealand uh, oh, wow. for this episode. Nice. Very excited. Is going to join us to talk about one fucking hour on Last House on Dead End Street. Um, you know, a fave Jesus. of Tom's, one of the craziest, insane backstories. <laughs> Baby got backstory really? for sure on that yeah. one. And um, <laughs> it's going to be crazy, man. So we're going to get into that. So follow along with us. Uh, of course, if you're not subscribed to the channel, do so. Follow us on wherever you can. Instagram, Twitter, whatever the fuck. Uh, and uh, hit, hit, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. And if you want to support the show, if you're into what we're doing here and you want to hear more of us talking about movies, of course, hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Five bucks a month uh, gets you access to all of our audio commentary tracks and bonus episodes, which we talked about earlier. And also, if you're in Los Angeles and you want to hang out with your boys, uh, Tom and Marcus got a string of live (laughs) shows, as we mentioned, uh, every Tuesday for the rest of the month of October at the Philosophical Research Society. Mm-hmm. Link in the description <laughs> for tickets and times and what fucking crazy ass movies and mixes they're going to be showing. There it is. Beautiful EXP TV. Uh, you can watch their shit too, which you should do. You should always have it on in the background. Uh, EXP TV.org or uh, what is it? Twitch.com uh, slash EXP TV underscore. EXP TV. Yeah, that's it. EXP TV underscore. Yeah. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, of course, uh, uh, we can't leave you without your what, Rain? What is it called? Moment. Moment. <laughs> of Zen. I love uh, disheartening uh, uh, moments. Like, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, <coughs> yeah, dejected uh, moments. moments. Right. Moment. Uh, moment. All right. Okay, everybody. Have a good rest of your week, and we will yeah, catch man. you uh, for Reboot Walkout, man. I'm fucking excited. All right, everybody. Take care. And we'll see you next time. All right, everybody. Reboot, walk out. In the novel, The Shining, uh, Jack Torrance is a difficult character, but he's fundamentally a a sympathetic character. And I always visualized him as a piece of metal that's bent first one way and the other by these malignant spirits who basically want his son because his son is a psychically powerful person. So I saw these all as warm characters, characters that were being threatened by forces from without, from ghosts, from real supernatural creatures. And the film is extremely cold. Stanley Kubrick saw the haunting as coming from Jack Torrance, from the Jack Nicholson character, whereas I always saw it from outside. So we had a fundamental difference of opinion about it. I always thought that the real difference between my take on it and Stanley Kubrick's take on it was this. In my novel, the hotel burns. In Kubrick's movie, the hotel freezes. 
It's the difference between warmth and cold. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Yeah.